Through the vision in the temple, the 8th century prophet Isaiah is called by God to announce judgment against Israel. Like other prophets, Isaiah is initially hesitant because of his awareness of his sin and his shortcomings. But when the Lord calls, Isaiah responds, Here I am, send me. The first reading is from Isaiah, the 6th chapter. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the Sophiam flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. This is the word of the Lord. The psalm for today is Psalm 138. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing you your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. In the second reading, Paul tells us that we should excel in gifts that build up the church. The second reading is from Corinthians, the 14th chapter. Strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough. But the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind 
in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it, in the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to these people and give then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophecy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh that is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged, and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets." For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand in honor of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fifth chapter. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came, and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. 
When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. The gospel of our Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. Go and have a seat. I could use the help of the young ones if you guys would come up here and sit in these front two rows. If you're already in that, that's good enough right there. But the rest of you guys come up here and sit in these, this front section up here. I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your help. Yeah, have a seat right up over here. You need to clear off those books. Just put them on the floor or something. I think they're used to being over there, aren't they? Can't teach new dogs old tricks. Or is it supposed to be old dogs new tricks? All right, well, I'll be right here in the middle. We'll make this work. All right. So the, it's not so much as a children's message. It's going to be an all-group thing, but in a minute, I'm going to need your help. So I'm just going to need your help. Thanks for coming forward. Here's a question for everybody here this morning to start off with. I want you. I can see you. Beautiful. What's the difference? If you were asked this question, what is the difference between an epiphany and a calling? What's the difference between an epiphany and a calling? Now, with that question in mind, I want you guys to take out, I think everybody in here has one of these papers, right? The goal was everybody gets one of these. If you do not have one of these, I'm going to ask one of the, the usher type helpers to find these papers. Did you, get, you guys need these. If you don't have one, you need to get one. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. We got more coming. They're coming forward. Yeah, if you can make sure they all got some. So everybody in here is going to need one. So go ahead and get it, take it out. For what I want you to do right now is I want everybody in here to take a look at this side of it, the one that says Luke chapter 5, 1 to 11. And I want you to find the verse in this chapter 5, 1 to 11. I want you to find the verse. And I want you to tell me the number of where Jesus calls Simon Peter, where Jesus says, follow me. If you can find in there where Jesus does that, raise your hand or start calling it out and let me hear what the verses might be. Look for the place where Jesus calls Simon Peter. Okay, three maybe. Four. What do you got? Eleven, three, four, eleven. Any other verses where Jesus calls? Okay, four and eleven. Let's take a look at verse four. Any others? Four and eleven? All right, so what? Three, three, four, and eleven. So three, getting into one of the boats. He told him to put out from the land. Okay. Um, I don't see him quote calling. Um, verse four, finish speaking, put out to the deep for a catch. That's not a calling. Let's go fishing. It's not a calling. Um, eight, Simon Peter fell down. Uh, nine, no, ten. Where's the word in here? Call. Let's just make it simple. You said seven? There's the word call in seven? I need to put my glasses on because I'm not finding it. All right, so this is kind of a trick question, friends. It's not really a trick question. It's a leading question. Not all questions are good questions. It's not there. It's not there. There's no calling. So it's not a calling. This, this, this... The decision for Peter to follow Jesus, it's not a calling at this point. 
But maybe it's an epiphany. An epiphany is a showing of God to a person or people in such a way is that it changes their life. It changes what they're going to do with their life. Strongly altering. An epiphany where they discover God, they discover God's way, truth, and life. And after this epiphany moment, after this event takes place or a series of events takes place, they're never, ever going to be the same. Their lives following that epiphany will from that day going forward reflect the heart and the purpose of God. Similar epiphanies to what we have in today's Bible lesson happened in the third chapter of Exodus with the book of Mo- in the, with Moses. There's a revelation of Moses. He realizes he's in the presence of God. There's some fear, and then there's a calling, and there, there's a, a direction. In the Judges, book of Judges chapter 6, there's a calling and epiphany for Gideon. In Isaiah chapter 6, we read that one today, there's an epiphany. And Isaiah finds himself in the presence of God, and his life is never going to be the same. With each epiphany, they know that they are in the holy, powerful presence of God. Every one of those. They're in the presence of God. In each epiphany, they recognize by overwhelming contrast that they are not holy. They experience fear for their lives. And initially, they want to separate from this place of holiness Because if they can separate it, maybe they can find safety by that contrast. But, before the epiphany is over, they're adopted. They are called to follow God's plan. They are called to serve. They have the understanding and wisdom and the courage to actually obey. From that day on, They will participate in God's plan. They will discover a beautiful relationship with their God and they will discover that they are more safe and secure with Him now than they ever were before apart from Him. Epiphany. In God's great love, in God's great grace, they understand that they are the Lord's beloved And they have become both recipients of the epiphany and participants in God's plan for salvation. That brings us to part two. Flip the papers over. Flip the papers over. Got a game. Inspired by the word, by the game Jeopardy. All right, so this first one is there's only going to be one winner. On this one, one winner. You're going to need a pin. So if you can find some pins, you're going to need a pin. Because if you win, you get the prize. And there's only going to be one prize. And young ones, you've got to know this. You're competing with the veterans. And they know words. They know the game of Jeopardy, perhaps a little bit better than you. So you're going to have to be sharp with this. If you think you know a word or the answer to a word, raise your hand and let me come to you. But you've got to keep it a secret. Don't let anybody know what you're writing down. Right? Now, if you think you got the whole phrase then you absolutely got to raise your hand and get my attention. If you have the phrase right, you get the prize. If you have the phrase wrong, and you're just trying to get the prize there quick, if you have the phrase wrong, you'll get to come up front, and you'll get to impersonate a chimpanzee eating a banana. All right? So there's a penalty if you get it wrong. And we're all going to laugh, because watching you impersonate a chimpanzee eating a banana has got to be a joke. It's got to be hilarious. So I would be cautious. The only 
Raise your hand with the answer unless you're pretty sure you got the answer. But if you got it, there's a great prize. Okay? So I'm going to go, I'll start on this side since they listen, and they're going to pick out a letter. If that letter is actually used on that, in those blanks on the top, I'm going to tell you what numbers those letters are going to go to. You can write it down, and we're going to start building up these words and these phrases. Here we go. You get to pick a letter. What's your first letter you want to pick? A. All right, she picked the letter A. Letter A is in the space number 17. Space number 17. What's your pick? How about nothing but no more vowels? Let's take a break from the vowels. Pick a, pick a consonant. H. H. We're looking for the letter H. Uh, space number 16. You get to pick number 16. That's an H. All right, Mr. Bieber, what letter would you like to pick? C. C. No letter C's. What letter? Uh, let's just stay away from vowels one more time. They cost money, the vowels. <laughs> pick a letter, just pick one. No letters? S. All right, there are, there's an S in the space number three, a space in the number five, a space of number seven, space of number 11, S, three, five, seven, 11, S. What letter do you want? Oh, no consonant, or no more vowels. Give me consonant. Uh, F. F, no F, B, no B's. D, La, number 10 is the letter D. Now, again, if you think you know the answer, you raise your hand. But again, if you're wrong, it's going to cost you. You've got to keep it a secret. You've you got to know the whole thing. Okay, we're going to go with the phrase. What do you got for, what do you want? R. No R's. What do you got? L. No L's. Number one, J. Can I Do you know it? Don't, don't show me. Are you sure? He's got it. He's a, he, already, he's, he, he risked it. So come over here. Keep your paper quiet so we don't enter like this so no one can see it. Okay? It's a secret. Now, you go come over here and pick your prize. Right behind this thing, in the, in the space right behind it, there's a couple of bags of stuff, and you can pick a couple, okay? And then come back out and have a seat. All right, so he won the first one. He's got the prize. Good job. Yeah, Mr. Everett. Right underneath there. See those bags? If you could buy, smell them by now. When I stood up there, I could absolutely smell what's underneath there. They're chocolates. All right, you're welcome. Now we're ready for the next one. The next one, we're going to play this game a little bit differently. This game is for everyone in the church. We're going to, I mean, actually be looking at the timer and see if we can beat the early church on the time. We're going to see if we can solve this collectively as fast as possible. If you think you know the answers to any of the words, start hollering out so the other people can say, yeah, that's it, or no, it's not, right? We're, this is a team effort to see how fast we can cross the line with the answer. Um, if you think you know the puzzle, you can ask me the word and I'll say yes or no. If even one word by time or the whole phrase by time. We're just, how fast can we get this one solved? All right, we're going to go by the letters, and we're going to do reverse order. What letter do you choose? T, T number 11. What do you got? S. S, number 8. 
Number 16. Number 17. As fast as we can go, we've got the timer going. What do you got? What's your letter? R. R. No R's. Uh, L. L. No L's. M. M. 14. And 3. 3 and 14 is M. You can call out if you... There's no penalties for guessing on this one. Messiah is the last one. What do you got for a letter? Yeah, pick a letter. I don't care any vowels, any consonants. Pick one. Why? Nope. No Y's. P's. No P's. Oh, we're falling behind on time. You're on. You get E. Oh, yeah. Four. Nine. Ten. Thirteen. Fifteen. What is, what is, you don't, there's no penalties. Guess it. What? Come and see the Messiah. That's it. Oh, I think it was about a tie. All right. Come and see the Messiah. All right. Young ones, come over here with me for a second. Hold on, big guy. Hold on. Come over here, guys. Young ones, come here. Young ones, come here. Take a handful of this and go give it away to somebody. Like one at a time. Just take a handful. Take one for yourself. Just grab a handful. Go. Pass them out. Take a handful. Go and pass them out. Pass them out. Everyone in here gets a prize. Go. Everyone in here gets a prize. Take a handful. Pass them out. Go. Click, 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 click. Take a handful. Pass them out. Take a handful. Pass them out. Take a handful. Pass them out. Go. Just take. There you go. Just take it. Just You can trade afterwards. Right now, distribution is the effort. Distribution. Go pass them out. Pass them out. Uh, Pass them out. What is the letter A? Well, or Jeffrey. Yeah. Here. Take a handful. All right. Go pass them out. Pass them out. Just pass them out. There you go. All right. Nothing comes back. They stay out. Share. Share. There you go. Have fun. Did everybody here get a prize? If you did not get a prize, raise your hand because we got lots more to go. There's some right here that didn't get a prize. They need one. Everybody here wanted a prize, got a prize? All right, then have a seat. Keep the rest of them. Find someone to share them with. All right, so there's a lesson in this. There's a lesson in this. One, it's just kind of fun on a Sunday to have something fun, but uh, a lesson. An epiphany is generally given to one. However, even though it's given to one, God generally uses epiphanies to try to benefit everyone. God is working to bring heaven to us. God is working to bring us towards heaven. God, out of extravagant love, He wants us and all of His beloved to have the very best that He can offer. In the first game, there was one winner. Even now, you don't know the answer. That is not what God wants. God does not want one person to get the answer, to hold on to the answer, enjoy a prize while everybody else is kept in the dark without the prize. Sharing the prize is a whole lot better than just having it to yourself. So in the first epiphany, if you want to know what the answer was, the answer is Jesus is God's epiphany. 
Jesus is God's epiphany. Too slow. You got the kid. He's... You were intimidated. You were intimidated by the chimpanzee dance. That's probably what. It is. All right. So Jesus is God's epiphany. Um, that was the first one. But in the second game, everybody was a winner. Everybody. The revealing of letters led one or two to get an answer. They started sharing ideas with people around them and ideas, and you're looking at the other papers, and all of a sudden you start telling others, and before you know it, everybody's got the answer and everybody benefits. That's how it's supposed to work. The epiphany is for everyone. A select few with insider information are to share that information with everyone so that everyone wins and no one is left out. In such a way is that the boats are so full that they're almost sinking. You've got to build new buildings because you've got more people than you can hand. You've got to build more buildings and find more spaces. And if nothing else, rent whole coliseums to house all of the people coming to the Epiphany Good News. Now with that in mind, also consider this. Epiphany's more than, in addition to sharing it so that everybody gets to come home, and that's the goal. The next part is, it's a developing epiphany. Some epiphanies take a while. Sometimes God has to work on our mind and our heart for many years before we finally get to the point where we accept His Word as truth and we change our lives and live it accordingly. Some of us are just harder stones than others. So it takes a while to make dirt out of us, right? So for that, it's kind of a developing story. So now with this in mind, think about that. We're just going to review the first five chapters because we started day chapter five in Luke. The first five chapters. There's a whole series of epiphanies in the book of Luke. A whole series of them. As I'm reading through this, I want you to personally think about this. At what point would you believe the good news? At what point would you believe? At what point would we say, I don't believe just yet, I need some more information? At what point would you say, Lord, I'm going to fall on my knees and I'm going to say you're my Lord and I'm going to make my life reflect that reality? Or are you going to sit back and say, I need more information, more information, and just keep holding off? As you're listening to these stories, think about it. Because Luke is telling us the story and it's going to show up in a progression of epiphanies. Right? So the first one, first epiphany in the book of Luke Mary is visited by the angel Gabriel. He announces to her that she is the one and from her womb is going to be born the Savior of all, the one who redeems the world, if you will. And that's a miracle because it happens in her womb. She's never known a man that way. She's never done the things to make a baby, but God puts this infant inside of her womb. And in addition to that, Joseph hears the stories. And so there's this announcement for both of them that the Messiah is coming and it is going to come to this person. Is that enough for you to believe that that person is the Messiah? Do you need more because if you need more there's more mary finds out that elizabeth has been visited by the angels as well and the lord blessed her and her husband with the gift of having a child and the child was going to be the, the forerunner for the messiah this john and so when mary finds uh, elizabeth in her home as soon as this woman with a with a baby in her womb enters the womb the house of the woman who has a baby in her womb when those babies are in the same space the baby that was john in this veteran elizabeth he that john leapt for joy because my master has just entered the building 
And if that story, is that enough for you to believe that, wow, Jesus could be the Messiah? If you need more, there's more. At His birth, there is a story of the shepherds. And they're announced, these are the nobodies of the world, but the angels come to them and all of heaven is singing. They recognize it and they joyfully are told and receive the news that in that town, the Savior is born. And to this person, and they go and they find Jesus and they worship. These people find the Savior and they worship. Is that enough for you to believe? If not, there's more. In Luke chapter 2, a righteous and devout Simeon, when it was time for them to dedicate Jesus, Simeon has been waiting, this prophet, in the city of Jerusalem his whole life for the opportunity to see with his own eyes the Messiah of God. They have been waiting for hundreds of years in this dark span of nothing. And in those 400 years, waiting and waiting for the Messiah. And, they, and God told him, you're not going to pass until you get to see him with your own eyes. And he's holding out. And on this day, here comes this little family of nobodies from a little nowhere, nowhere town. And they bring the child. And he finally says, at last, Lord, I can go to my rest because my eyes have seen the, the Messiah. You're anointed. Is that enough for you to believe? If not, then there was Anna right after that, a veteran woman who was supposed to wait for the Messiah as well. And God blessed her eyes because on that day, when the Holy Family walked into town, she saw their child and said, that one's the Messiah. Blessed am I to have seen it. If that's not enough to convince you that Jesus is the Messiah and you, should, you can change your life and absolutely go all in, there's more. Chapter 2, uh, Jesus at the age of 12, he's in the temple and he's, he's listening to all these gray beards and gray heads and he's listening to their talk and then he starts to talk and teach too and they're like saying, wow, where did this child get all this? He was blowing their minds that such a young person could just know so much depth to the Scriptures. If that's not enough to think He's a Messiah, it gets more. Chapter 3, you have the baptism of Jesus. Jesus goes by the River Jordan. Heaven is torn open. The Spirit of God descends. The Father's voice is heard. This is My Son, My Beloved. With Him I am well pleased. Is that enough to make someone believe? Because if it's not, there's more. And and he goes next after that, he goes towards Capernaum after he spends a little time in Nazareth. He goes to Capernaum and in Capernaum there he is. He enters a synagogue on a Sabbath. And the very first thing that confronts him after his teaching is a demon. He tells the demon, be quiet. The demon knows who he is. The demon calls out his by name. You are the Messiah of God. You're the son of God. I know who you are, says the demon. Jesus tells him, be quiet and leave. Is it enough? Would you believe that Jesus is the Messiah if the demons all screeched and obeyed His commands saying that they know who He is? Or would you need more? Because there comes more. He goes into the house and there's a, an elder woman and she is sick with a raging fever, maybe on the edge of death, and He tells to her to be healed. And not only is she healed, but she has enough strength, enough change of heart that she wants to serve for the rest of that day, her family, Jesus, and everybody else. That is a miracle. Is that enough for you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Because if it's not enough that He can work a miracle like that, there's more. Chapter 5, Camernum, by the lake. He goes to a boat because there's so many people they can't hear Him. He goes to the boat on the water so He can speak to His amphitheater. And he starts to teach. And he's opening their minds and their hearts through his words. Then he tells Peter, let's go fishing. To a place you'll never catch fish. You just fish there all night. You know there's nothing there. But we're going to go fishing, Peter. All right. Oh, Peter, now that we're out here in the middle of nowhere, throw your nets over the board. Just catch some fish. All right. They can't even hardly haul the nets in. They pull them up, they scoop the fish out, they pull them up more, scoop more fish out. There were so many fish in those nets, they were going to break. 
In fact, there were so many fish that they couldn't even put them into one boat. They had to bring out another big boat just to keep bringing fish in. And they were swamping both boats because they were weighed down so much that the waves were coming over the edges. That was enough for Peter. Peter fell to his knees. Depart from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. These are people who praise Peter later on. The church praises Peter. Oh, wow, I could never do what Peter did. Just leave my family, leave a million dollar bumper crop of fish and just, and just follow. I can never do that. Well, without taking away anything from Simon Peter, he is obviously, in, he's blessed by God. He's a cornerstone of the church. All that said, Simon Peter's um, leaving everything to follow Jesus after what we just went through, remembering, it just might be a natural reaction to a miraculous progression of epiphanies of God from the beginning of Luke until this day. Peter having personally experienced Jesus in the synagogue, Peter having personally witnessed his mother-in-law's healing and strength to serve, Peter having witnessed Jesus cast out demons, who knew him by name, Jesus, having, having witnessed Jesus miraculously and powerfully said what's right and what's wrong and teach the scriptures of God, having taught the people, Peter, having witnessed his nets breaking and his boat sinking because they're catching fish that weren't there, they shouldn't, it's a miracle. Having personally now looked into the eyes and been in the presence of the Son of God, can we imagine this Simon Peter? Not following the Lord? Can we imagine him not wanting to see more of this and to experience more of this? Because I can't. After all that we've just reviewed in these first five chapters, it seems impossible to me that anybody who has read these first five chapters can do anything but exactly what Peter did. Fall on our knees and say, Lord, I am sinful. And Lord, and just don't even know what to say next. And then from that place, hear Jesus say, don't fear you're going to start catching fish. The successful, hardworking, strong family man, Simon, this man falls to his knees. And rightfully so. He says, Oh Lord, depart from me, I'm sinful. And Jesus says, I'm, Don't be afraid. And you know what? Luke writes this down for us. He doesn't write it down because Simon needs to remember. Luke writes this down because we need to into the last sentence because it doesn't end. Can't you read with me what verse 11 says? Is the completion of the lesson end to the fisherman's work to believe in and have a life of And because Luke yeah, you who do you know I mean, that said, who do you know and love? Epiphany. 